0: Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hetland. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through his sons and daughters. Leif shares insights into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Well hello everyone and welcome to Kingdom Family Talk and I am Leif Hetland for a few of you that perhaps don't know me and a part of my purpose today is to follow up with a great conversation I had with Micah as we just returned from Rwanda. As soon as we landed from Rwanda there was another crisis opportunity we had just been actually involved in Afghanistan. Some of you maybe kept up on the news, the crisis situation that was going on there with the Taliban, as well as with the earthquake that hit and a lot of the relief organizations in the war was not able to going in and to be able to help some of the victims. And then we have another crisis that happens now. So sometimes there is the battle you fight after the battle you won. But I, I felt in my heart and in my spirit, and this is fresh, this is raw. So I have not processed these things. So if you will have a little grace with me, but I just wanted to to show my heart with you. I came home from Rwanda with a fresh baptism of hope. What do you mean by that? I was immersed in hope. I can be honest, right before I went to Rwanda, watching some of the news, watching what, not just churches, but also the whole political climate, what's happening with Ukraine. I've just been ministering to some of the Ukrainians, if that's the Russia and Ukraine, what's going on between China and Taiwan, what's happening with the whole crisis situation when it comes to what's going on in Europe and the tension going on there, what is happening in England and the changes that is taking place, and there's changes all over the world, and there's so much shaking, and I feel like To some degree you get so overwhelmed that we just passed the 8 billion mark of people in this wall and some people are looking at the watch, I know that Jesus is looking at the harvest. But I felt that I wanted to bring in some of those keys that I was left with from Rwanda that I think that can help it's helping me and as a result of those keys I want to give some of those keys to you that perhaps can help you so that uh, if this whole earth, And I just shared this, that the master class is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as water covered the sea, Habakkuk 2.14. And if Habakkuk 1.5 says, look among the nation and see what I am doing, not what God is not doing, not what the devil is doing, but what I am doing. And be utterly amazed because I'm going to do something in your days you wouldn't believe it if you were told, Habakkuk 1.5. That's the story of Rwanda. That's actually a verse becoming a reality. That's actually what I'm sensing that is burning in my bones, even as I experience the glory of God filling my office just a few days ago. And I realized in that moment and that glory that when we are in that environment, we can suddenly become carriers of glory to war that deserve to experiencing the Christ in you, that is going to be the hope of glory around you. So. Here is a couple of the lessons that I learned from Rwanda. Here's the background, 1994. I still remember I had just won a scholarship from a organization called NORAID, which is Norwegian aid, uh, that was connected to the Nobel uh, Nobel Prize. Institute, Many of you remember that Mandela and the clerk won the Nobel Prize. And this is very important because we forget so easily. So in 94, what was happening on a, a global level, I'm a young Baptist pastor in Norway, and I had won the scholarship, and I was in the preparation. There was a lot of tension and stuff going on in the world. And some of the lessons that all of us should learn, if that was World War I, and I'm just giving some historic lessons that I think they can be helpful for some of us, because the whole World War I, One was pretty much Earlier than that, you had all the European nation intention of which territory they were going to occupy. The colonization where the different countries like France, like Belgium, like England and Germany and the list goes on. They were all positioned and they used the energy to be able to eventually occupy other nations around the world and they built power that way. Then the Turkish Empire came down and you saw what happened in the Balkans and eventually that led to a brutal war, World War I. And part of the reason it was brutal is because they already started to have weapons. And you maybe say, wow, we could learn some lesson when World War I was over and the world was bleeding and nations all over the world was being affected and then that led to certain people wanted nationalism, trying to find their identity. And then a Mussolini in Italy came in that led to fascism and, and certainly trying to unify people. And we, why are we talking about some of that? Because if we're going to see some of the things that's going on, if that's in America and Europe and happen in different parts of the world, it is the same language that is on display again. But if you do not recognize that, it's gonna be very difficult for you to understand the time that we're living in and what God is doing and where you fit into it. Let me say that one again. If we do not recognize some of the things that has happened in the history, we have a tendency and we have a tendency to repeat it. And so if you do not understand the time that we are living in, because the sons of Issachar, they understood the time, but they also knew what to do. It's not just to know and understand the time. You also need to be able to know what is God doing in our generation. It's easy to see what the devil is doing. It's easy to see what God is not doing or what politicians are doing and and read all the news because we do not see what God is doing. And then the dangerous part of this is what is your place? What is my place? How do we get involved in what God is doing and blessing? And yes, God is sovereign, he could do it himself, but part of his sovereignty have chosen to use people like you and I to be part of it. Just like he chose a Winston Churchill or Patton in regard to what was happening with Normandy. God chose people that was part of the rebuilding process. So we see that, and we learned a lesson then also with World War II with Adolf Hitler, especially what happened in 1933, and the list goes on. And then you are seeing in 1945 when the World War II was over, and over some 70 nations around the world ended up being involved in that and what happened at Pearl Harbor and the list goes on and on. We cannot afford to forget some of those lessons of history so we don't repeat it. And then we're moving into where a couple of leaders were sitting around and even deciding with some napkins how the future that is affecting every one of us today. Communism came in 1945 and then as these three leaders are sitting together, what we do not, know and how it is affected and you can meet people. If that was from Romania to Bulgaria to former Yugoslavia, what's happening in the Soviet Union, and all of those things were connected to some of the decisions as the world suddenly went into becoming a bipolar world. And people had to make some choices. And what do I mean with bipolar world? There was two world systems in opposition to one another and the tension started. And then the question is, is it going to be capitalism or is it going to be communism? And you started this us against them again. this tension continued to build. And some of you that are old enough remember the Cuban Missile Crisis. The war was in tension. What was happening in Vietnam. And later on that led to another thing we should have learned. The killing fields that was happening that is very different than what happened in Cambodia where there was a manslaughter. It was not just that, it was a genocide that took place. And I have been there and I've ministered. I just watched on my phone the baptism of love for the next generation and the horrific evil that took place in that. Nation. And a lot of us, as I said, we watch in the news and you do not see how you now in this beautiful little village called Wald, what your place is in the middle of it. I'm putting this into perspective and then eventually we came into 1988 and oh, you maybe remember the history when the Berlin Wall came down. I remember it as it is today. Wow, a lot of people have been waiting for that. And then in 1989, Ceaușescu fell. We were one of the first ones that went into Romania. And you started to realize these people, what they have gone through, and and even how the Christian had been persecuted. And if you have read, I mean, if you're familiar with like the voice of the martyrs and people like Richard Warmbrandt and Torture for Christ, I went into the prison in Gerla and ministered to some other people and heard the stories of the horrific things that believers has gone through in that whole era. And a lot of the world was asleep while these things was going on, but we saw there was a shift. And America was entrusted to be a nation that God had entrusted at that moment as Soviet Union, two years later, crumbled down and America was entrusted. And for the next 10 years, there was an expansion of the kingdom, expansion of the gospel. About 350 million names was added to the Lamb's Book of Life for the next 10 years. This is after what most of you were born. And that was from about 1991 to 2001. What I'm doing now, I just take you on a journey to be able to understand the time we are living in so that you can navigate the next couple of years and the future of the things to come. Because if not, when you are watching the news and you see what's going on, that you as believers with a spirit of discernment when you're waking up in the morning, that you know how to intercede. You know how your tears can affect the weather pattern and it creates clouds. They can produce rain if you understand the time knowing what God is doing and knowing your place in it. As prophets, you will know how to be able to come into an alignment with what God is doing, not what the enemy is doing. So I'm just saying that as a little history lesson for some of us that are world changers and history makers that are called to be able to make a difference. So this led through that season where in 1994, in Rwanda, that was during that time period, we saw the apartheid system in South Africa that fell in 1994 after the horrific evil that has been going on there. And the world was so much focusing on that because that we forgot about what was happening. We forgot about what was happening in Rwanda. So we get to 1994, where the war we were watching, this is in the middle of the harvest time. It was actually a peaceful time in America. It looked like even what was going on in Afghanistan, what had happened here with the Soviet Union that had been bleeding because they'd been going after this group that used to be the Mujahideen fighters and United States was very much involved. That became also later on the Taliban and eventually that we had an opportunity to minister to those people. That's also in 1994, to take care of the orphans and the widows in Afghanistan. But a lot of the believers, again, we were looking at the watch while Jesus was looking at the harvest. A lot of us were saying, come, Jesus, while he was saying, go, church, go, church. And we were trying to build churches and parking lots, and we got involved while he was calling us to disciple nation. So this was in 94 when we saw the apartheid system fall. And we saw, and I had the honor of going into South Africa. But by April of that year, there's been brewing. And if you watch the years before, it was brewing in Rwanda. And most newspaper were distracted. They didn't even talk about it. There was just very few that spoke. And the ones that spoke, people were not listening because we were distracted. What is Rwanda and Hutsi and Tutsi? What does that have to do with me and what's going on in my life at that time period? This was so much was happening. As I was a Baptist pastor in Norway we watch watching the world trends and the world's news. So what's happening in Afghanistan, what's happening in Rwanda and other parts of the world, we do not know always how that is about to affect us. And we do not know that we are, or am I my brother's keepers? Do I have a responsibility for us that are in the kingdom? Is there something that we are supposed to do? And I'm not here to give us a guilt trip, but I'm here to give us the kingdom responsibility to love this world that God loves so much that he will give his only begotten son. My thing is that we can no longer, we can no longer put our head in the sand and forget about what's taking place right around us. We do have to, Recognize some of the history that leads towards the destiny. So here we are, 94, started in April when eventually the mass slaughter started. And for the next hundred days, how could a neighbor turn against another neighbor? How did they build up such a hatred that suddenly in the next moment they dehumanize somebody that was different than themselves? How would they be able to create a slaughter that for one point, almost one million people? There was slaughter in Rwanda, where one group decided that the other group was of less value. And you said, that's an impossibility. I, I just watched something in the last couple of years. If certain people were certain skin color, or certain people didn't even take a vaccine, or certain people, even the churches, were there dividing over it. It was the same language that I saw in 1994. And you said, we would never massacre, we just angry or say certain things on our Facebook. But it was just interesting even to see the news media at the time period, how they fueled certain things, how they set it up, how they use cartoons. Only today we have a much more powerful media that is coloring this us against them mentality. And this is the most dangerous things for us in the kingdom, that orphan spirit that is still so real and especially among the churches. And then when 100 days was gone, a whole nation had been raped. They've raped women even with HIV, and the whole nation was traumatized, and Rwanda was bleeding, and the world was bleeding, and including Bill Clinton being the president, said that is the number one regret as he is looking back, that the world didn't do something. The bureaucracy was going on in the United Nations and other things, they had other priorities, and other people were being distracted, and that's one of the most dangerous things that the enemy is using as a tool for us, to be distracted from what is taking place on the global scene. including 33 million people right now that are being flooded in Pakistan. We just get so overwhelmed, and whatever overwhelms us shapes us. So instead, well, we just become passive, and we learn just to have enough ourselves, struggle with our own problems, our own issues, and we forget about the bigger picture and the bigger assignment, why we are here on the planet Earth, and suddenly, before we know it, the eternal is no longer our internal. And we start to live for temporary things. Make the story short, things started to happen. And in Rwanda, they started a slow healing process. And one of those people I talked about was Father Ubat in the middle of it. God only needs one person. He needs a Joseph. He needs an Esther. He needs a Nehemiah. He needs a Daniel. He just needs one person like you that will be a difference maker. Somebody that stands up in the middle of the injustice. Somebody like an Esther that was born for such a time as this. An Esther that's stepping in and saying, no, 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 my people are about to be slaughtered. But also having a spiritual father like Mordecai that comes in and raises up. Somebody to learn protocol to stand before kings. Or. I am dreaming the race of those love ambassadors that can represent the king that looks like Jesus into all different environments. The problem was not Assad in Syria. The problem was not Saddam Hussein in Iraq. It is that we don't have an Esther inside the king's courts that can change the environments. And I am just sitting here today. Today is more me just sharing my heart of when I'm waking up in the morning, dreaming with Papa God, want to raise up love ambassadors that can actually be part of the future and the things to come. Because God is up to something very beautiful in the middle of all the darkness that is taking place. So some of the lessons that I learned there from Rwanda, as we now are after all these years, I saw a man like Father Obalt or Immaculate that we had an honor to have. Dinner. Few of those individuals like the president of the country, God's race of someone that is making a difference. And I watched a nation healing. And while we were there in the front of our eyes, we saw trauma coming down, unity taking place, love of winning, fear moving off, hope coming back to a nation, walking around in the street and feeling safe, walking around and seeing the joy on the children's faces. Even among the poorest of the poor and the majority of the nation is poor. I didn't see it as us against them. They had learned their lessons. They were no longer of which tribe or you belong to no, we are Rwandans. And, oh, I want this global village in the world. There is no longer us against them. That's what's happening now in Ukraine. That's what happens in Washington DC. This is what's happening all over the world. Which tribe do you belong to? And you starts, you actually start to villainize the other one and you use the other one as an enemy instead of recognizing, no, if they are hurting, I'm hurting. And if they have an issue, I have an issue. We take responsibility because we are a global family. And there's a God that loves this world, including the Judas, including the, and you can go through the list of the different people that is part of the bigger family. So I am here just to encourage us. I came from Rwanda and I saw the miracle key of forgiveness, what it can do. I watched people that they had in a horrific way, raped and murdered, even in the front of their eyes, and they were so traumatized, and they chose to receive the grace from Jesus to give something to someone that they did not deserve. And for you, that's your neighbor. For you, that's your friend, or the person on another political party, or the one to criticize you on Facebook. I know that sounds very minor, but it's happening right in the front of our face. I choose that. I choose to give them what they don't deserve, forgiveness, freedom, love. And then you are receiving what you don't deserve, called love and unconditional forgiveness. And when you receive that, you are becoming what we call a minister of reconciliation that can represent God before people and people before God. You become a unifier. This is the prayer of Jesus, the last prayer of Jesus. That's what I saw was being answered in the front of my eyes as we went from a parish to parish in these Catholic churches, where still, as you say, people survived with one another, but they still didn't thrive. Still was scarred from that, and decided we're not going to fight against each other. And at the same time, but they needed to heal. and they need to become one because Jesus prayed that we're going to be one just as He and the Father is one. Oh, that was his prayer. Father, Father, I have declared your name among them, and I will declare that the very love, Father, that you have towards me, that love is going to be in them. The love the Father had toward his broken wall, that he would send his only begotten Son, but also the love the Son had, wow, that he would leave heaven, leave perfection, to come down to this earth and say, I know what you deserve, you are a murderer. Barabbas, I know what you deserve, but let me take your place so that you can become free. And then later on, when Jesus went to heaven, but in John 20, 23, he says very, very, very clearly, and it is so beautifully described, he says, if you, and he talks about the disciples after the resurrection experience, where he had filled them with his presence, his peace, his provision, and his power, he said, if you forgive the sins of any, they will be forgiven. But if you have retained the sins of any, they will be retained. And I know there's people in Rwanda that are still wrestling, how can I give? These people have not even recognized some of the evil they have done. But I just, I left there with hope. Hope for humanity. Hope for the war. Hope for the beautiful country of America. Cities that are broken. Politicians that are divided. I was left there with a fresh baptism of hope. What ordinary people, what Father Uba. Father Ubal what immaculate, what I get to do. I remember what I got to do between Catholics and Protestants in Ireland in the 80s, what I was able to see between the Serbs and the Kosovo Albanians and the Croatians in the former Yugoslavia. I had the honor of being there in Selma, Alabama, 1985, what I got to be able to see between the Sunnah and the Shia Muslim, and I continue to see it today. Jesus wins. Love wins. Because love never fails because love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy. Wow. The language of love is still the language the blind eyes can see and the deaf ears can hear. So today I want to just to do the very thing that I do is just to encourage you, but also to challenge you and also to invite you to stepping into a place where you will receive yourself personally speaking this incredible fresh baptism of love, because I cannot give something I don't have." Where well, it starts by just inviting Him to love you in a way you've never been loved before, and allowing His forgiveness, the very thing that Jesus did on the cross. say, Father, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. Free people sets people free. Healed people bring healing to people. What they said, when the peace started coming into my mind, I started to pick up trash, is what one person said. Another person said, when peace came into my mind and into my heart, I started to fill my home with peace. And blessed are the peacemakers, because they are the sons and daughters of God. So practically speaking, stop tweeting, stop texting, stop representing a God that does not look like Jesus. And I didn't say stop tweeting or texting or don't do any of those things, but I'm talking about the coming into an agreement where there's an us against them. So, how does that look like on a practical level? If you're a journalist, I'm not saying you shouldn't talk about the floods, but I'm talking about, as a journalist, what's going on right now. I'm talking about everybody there that are doing something for the flood victims, for the people that are sacrificing, for the people that are loving, the people that are giving. What you will always do is to represent good news. And what we have in this season is faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So let it tweet, let the text, let your Facebook be filled of faith, hope, and love. And remember, the greatest of these is love. And I love you and I believe in a God that believes in you and what I've seen and learned about Rwanda. If God could do what he's doing in Rwanda, just watch in the near future, what that's going to be, a trophy of his love. There's no longer an excuse in my neighborhood in my city, in our nation, or any other place in the world that looks like it is so divided that God cannot unite it. What you and I are coming into an agreement, not with a thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus who came to give life and life more abundantly. Receive it. Become it. So that you can give it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif on social media at Leif Hetland and sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com.